All right, guys. Welcome back to episode 10 of the Mighty Thor podcast. My name is Ed, and I am one half of the coast of the podcast and the other half. Terry, how are you doing? Hello, Terry. I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm fine. Coolness. Well, let's start the episode out with another bit of feedback. This is love feedback. Two in a row now. Two I'm in a row. telling you. Love it, love it. Now, this is a comment uh, that was left on the website after episode eight. And it is from Rombin. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that one correctly. He says, I assume it's a he. They say, I managed to find your podcast purely by accident while searching the iTunes store. Rest assured that you probably have many listeners, but it's early days and it takes time for word to spread, so please continue in your efforts to promote the exploits of Thor, both old and new versions. As for my comments, there are good and bad points. Please accept that any negative comments are only made with the intention of giving my honest opinions in the hope of trying to help improve the listening experience for us listeners. Not a problem. I don't have a problem with what people perceive as negative Feedback, you know, criticizing or, or saying where we could do things better or things like that. I don't have a problem with that at all. Me neither. All right, he goes on. I like the interplay between Ed and co-host Terry. It is refreshingly less polished than many other with several stumbles and mistakes, which actually made me smile with their honesty. Hope that makes sense. Hey, Ed, might I ask that you keep the gaps between the words and your sentences quite short? Several times there seemed to be hesitation between words, which initially made me think I'd lost the podcast feed. I will definitely try to work on that. I know I um a lot sometimes, and I, I will I will definitely keep that in mind. I like the idea of commenting on the older episodes of Thor with the new stuff. Rather than a simple monologue describing that episode, do you think you could flesh out the comic book descriptions? How about commenting more on the artwork, the pencils, the layout of those old issues, and maybe compare and contrast with the new stuff? No need to sit on the fence. If you don't like an episode or a plot device, etc., then please say so. I think you'll find that we listeners would prefer opinions to be firmly stated as well as likes and dislikes. I prefer the two of you, Ed and Terry, to each take a part to describe an episode, maybe one sentence of descriptive narrative alternating with the other. What do you think? As things develop, maybe you could comment on more peripheral matters, such as the reason that Stan Lee created the Thunder God, and how Thor's political stock has risen and fallen, and risen again, with time. How is it that Thor used to be Marvel's top dog and then became a second-tier character? Don't get me wrong, I believe the Thunder God to be on the top of the... ...has been depicted properly in the Marvel Universe. As your style develops... Maybe you could invite guest speakers to provide info on an aspect of the Thor in the MU, both past and present. You might consider factual subjects such as the women in Thor's life, Thor's armory of weapons, what foods he has been depicted enjoying. I believe our favorite thunder god is quite partial to hot dogs, etc. You might also consider more esoteric subjects such as the motivation of the thunder god. Why is he seemingly fascinated by the brief life of mortals? Odin's disciplinary attitudes to his son, and what the F is the reason for taking half his power away many, many times in the older storylines. 
don't want to tell you what to do, although it may sound like it. Since you're both doing a kick-ass job by getting off your butts and putting in the work to produce a series of generally entertaining podcasts, I hope you can stick with things, and I look forward to your on-screen chemistry developing over the course of hopefully years. Sorry if some of my ideas seem to ramble on, but it's late and I need to hit the sack. Lastly, have you got a web page? We'll be tuning in each and every to see how you're doing. Regards, Rombin. P.S. Is my spelling of Terry correct? He spelled it with two R's. P.P.S. Terry, you have a great voice for radio. I thought the joke was a great face for radio. No, that's me. I have a great face for radio. Okay, so Thank there's you so much for that. there's some more feedback. Um, there, there's a lot of good points. I think a lot of possibilities. Um, you know, the the biggest aspect of I think the the feedback were some other things to get into and to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess down the road as as we get more comfortable with Thor and and get more knowledge of him in general, you know, maybe we can branch out a little bit. Um, you know, what exactly we do or where we go, it, it'll just Time will tell. I mean, this is our tenth show, so maybe when we get closer to the movie, we can actually have like a history of Thor before the movie comes out, with a little background of of where he came from, why, and and you know some of the things that might be right. Um, and d- depending on what storyline they picked in the movie, if they do an origin, you know, we may very well be able to sit down and compare and contrast that to. This that we have just gone through as far yeah. as the origin in in the comic book. So, yeah. and uh, I checked up on a couple things. Last episode we talked about Journey into Mystery issue 101 that had an appearance by Wasp, Ant Man, Giant Man, and Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And there had only been either three or four issues of the Avengers title come out by that time. So. It could be that that title was so new that they really hadn't had a chance to work it in yet. Okay. And you know, and and have Thor do something that would give us a heads up that hey, he's showing up in another book. Um, I do know uh, this episode we're talking about issues one hundred two, one hundred three, and one hundred four. Journey into Mystery issue one twenty five is the last Journey into Mystery. 126 starts the numbering of the regular Thor title, and we'll go from half a book of Thor to a full, I don't know, 25 to 28 pages or something like that of Thor when he has his own book. Okay. So here in another seven seven or eight episodes, we'll graduate into Thor having his own book, which will be – they just continued the numbering. So the first Thor was 126. So that's coming up. That'll have longer stories, maybe a little bit more depth. Um, by that time, there will be um, 40 some issues to draw from as far as uh, talking about things that happened in the past and and past characters and things like that. So, alrighty. Uh, Mentioned today on tap, we have issues 102, 103, and 104 of Journey in the Mystery. So we'll start out with 102 here. And it's a continuation. Yes, 101 was the return of Zarko, the Tomorrow Man. Tomorrow Man. Dun, dun, dun. And he uh, 
got Thor to bow to him and to uh, basically enslave himself to him. Went with him to the 23rd century. And went with him back to the 20 or up to the 20th or however you want want to look at that. Yeah. So the cover to this issue, we see uh, Thor laying under a big machine, um, apparently trapped like he's trying to get up, but he can't. And it says the mighty Thor slave of the tomorrow man. Now, as we open the issue, uh, we have a recap for two, almost two pages of the previous issue, uh, basically retelling the story that I, I just really, really abbreviated. Uh, they arrive in the 23rd century, they being Thor and Zarko. And we see immediately uh, Zarko. Uh, command Thor to start doing some things to show the world that Zarko has this incredible power under his command, uh, disrupting the daily lives of the citizens of 23rd century Earth in various ways. And then Zarko and Thor appear to, you know, a segment of the population in whatever city they're in here. And uh, basically the equivalent of like popping up on the streets of New York City, let's say. And Zarko tells the people that Thor is the one responsible for all the mayhem, not to be confused with the mayhem that's in the insurance commercials. Yeah, we like him. Yeah, we, we <laughs> Shaky, shaky. <laughs> so, uh, OMG. <laughs> what is it? Emotionally? Bankrupt? No. Oh, no, I forget that line. No, I'm emotionally... Anyways, okay. A little diversion, digression there. Um, when Zarko tells the public that Thor is under his command and has been doing all this mischief, some of what passes as the police, but they're not really the police, come to stop Zarko, take him back because, remember, he was uh, like – had lost all his memories and was under the the boot of the man. And so they have come to take him back in their, uh, in their grasp and put him back under the boot of the man as a scientist. But he, he has his, his free mind. Now he, he remembers all of his ambitions and everything. And he tells them to, uh, be gone basically and six Thor on him. So first Thor, uh, unarms them and then Zarko says that's enough and Thor hypnotizes them and Zarko gives them commands to uh, you know basically he he uh, takes control of them through the hypnosis they all go to the equivalent of the UN in this century uh, called the World Council and Zarko makes his demands, basically, of being told or shown or, or given control of this master machine, apparently, that is responsible for running all the other machines, which pretty much run the planet. And uh, they refuse. And he says, well, you know, I'll give you some time to think about it. And he and, and Thor go to take off and the World Council six one of their security devi- devices on them 
And Thor manages to leave a note with him, though. Yes, I'm sorry. Uh, on on their way out, he he slyly leaves a little note on the table, which really you don't find anything about until like the last panel, very last of panel of the of the book. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, Thor defeats the security device, and that basically triggers Zarko, and he says, "Oh, so you know." Not only are you not going to cooperate, but you're actually trying to stop me. So he comes back immediately. They see how powerful Thor is because he defeated this security robot, and they give Zarko the information. They give him the access codes and the location of this uh, master master robot. So Zarko and Thor go there. Uh, he commands Thor to break in. Upon breaking into the the uh, the, the shelter, the play computer is the the bunker. Uh, they are immediately beset by another security device called a C bomb. Basically, what it does is it explodes, and in exploding, it throws out a a trapping device, kind of like a a cage to to hold whoever has gotten this far, and it surrounds them, and then in the area that it surrounds, it increases the gravity, so it smushes the two the two guys to the the ground, and Thor, even though he only has half his power, no no still, still. manages to defeat this um, machine, yet another machine, and they go on inside, and Zarko starts espousing, as bad guys often do, what he's going to do and how he's going to accomplish it. And And how he's succeeded. Yes. Thor says, well, you know, I did what you wanted me to do, so I'm out of here. I'm going to try to stop you, of course, but our bargain is done because I helped you take over the world. You took over the world. Now I'm out. And Zarko says, ah, indeed you are. And so then he immediately attacks Thor with a, a succession of different devices here, all of which Thor uh, defeats or eludes or evades until Zarko grabs this big handle and says that if I pull this, all the energy that the Master Machine has will be directed towards destroying the planet, basically. Um, so, so, you know, he tells him, now you take a, a step closer and I'll pull this switch, and Thor is talking to him, and while he is, uh, the machine starts to seemingly attack Zarko because what Thor has done is while they were talking, he's been feeding this machine energy, and the machine used that energy to encase Zarko in, in a semi-solid energy ball, uh, thus preventing Zarko from doing or touching anything but entrapping him in, in this confined space. The uh, World Council then sends one of their, like, policing ships to come and get them. They take Zarko, and it's here at the very end that we find out that the note that Thor left basically said, don't worry, let me take care of Zarko myself. So Thor uh, finishes up in the 23rd century, whirls his hammer, does his, his time travel bit going back to Earth of the Present, and Loki and Odin are watching, 
And Odin says, see, Thor didn't revert to being or didn't turn bad. It was a trick to beat this guy. And Loki's like, oh, shucks, I thought this guy was going to get him. And so there is the uh, end of issue 102 of Journey to Mystery. Terry Ann, your opinions. Oh, I'm sorry, not Terry Ann. That's a different podcast. <laughs> Terry, your opinion. That's okay. Have all these um, personas. I'm telling you, woohoo, get so. Yeah. Um, I thought it was, it was good. It was a, it was a good, fitting ending for Zarko. It, it appeared that he was going to have the upper hand, and then Thor calmly and assuredly took care of him. So, I thought it was rather a good story. I wonder if this is the end of Zarko, or if he's going to escape the imprisonment of his people and come back again you never know with those men of the 23rd century uh, I'm telling you they could pop up anywhere Um, yeah I I thought it was a good second half to the story Uh, again uh, it's kind of nifty seeing uh, you know just a mere mortal do pretty well against Thor you know we've we've complained about how we haven't been too impressed with the mortals that they've thrown up against Thor Mm mm-hmm but even at uh, half his power, Thor seemed to do okay. You know, he fought all those devices and weapons that Zarko threw against him at the com- master computer bunker, and uh, and he has the power uh, of his own to transport himself through time. Yeah, even with the, only half his power. From the 23rd century back to our time. Yeah. Now, we see the results of that in the next issue, um, but, um, yeah, so, you know, I guess that kind of tells you how much power he, he really stores up. Mm-hmm. Um, it was written by Stan Lee and drawn by Jack Kirby, which far and away are, are my favorite two creators on these early – The dynamic duo. Early issues of Thor. Are we ready to move on to 103? I think so. Okay. So, Journey into Mystery 103. It starts out on the cover. Can Mighty Thor defeat two of the strangest super menaces of all time? Immortal versus Immortal. Thor's most titanic battle, the Enchantress and the Executioner. We promise you will never forget the breathtaking Enchantress. Now, like the, the – <laughs> The Enchantress and the Executioner um, are here to stay. They'll pop up again. I figured so because they, they turn out to be part of Asgard and, and all that, so I figured they were here to stay. They even, uh, I believe, form a evil group that menaces like the Fantastic Four um, and I believe later on the Avengers. So, you know, they – Graduate from Thor into like the big time fighting these other groups. Um, one of the more colorful covers we've seen because they're standing on the rainbow bridge. Mm-hmm. So we've got all the colors of the rainbow there going across the cover. Uh, but also, you know, the enchantress is all decked out in green and the executioner all in blue and then Thor in his blue, red and yellow. And yeah, lots of, uh, lots of colors on this cover. I, I think that on the stands at the time, this would have been a pretty impressive cover. I'm looking for something to read. Oh, well, you know, I'll try that one with all the colors on it. Mm-hmm. So. 
This one is also written by Stan Lee and illustrated by Jack Kirby. And it starts out with Thor doing his swinging his enchanted hammer at twice the speed of light to get back home. He has finally made it back to the 20th century. Whoops, sorry about that. That's okay. So he gets back and he he lands in the middle of traffic and they ask him to please move and he's like yes yes I'm 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 on my way and he wants to get back to see how Jane is so he goes back to Doctor Blake's office so he can turn back into Doctor Blake and and see how things are going and he as Doctor Blake of course is still exhausted so he's he's like laid out and Jane sees him and convinces him that he needs to rest. Now that's interesting. That's the first time that we've ever seen what happens to one affects the other. Right. You know, now we haven't seen it with injuries. But this is the first time that we see, oh, well Thor is tired after the change, Blake is exhausted. Mm-hmm. We've not we've not seen anything. Of course, like that it's not going to go the other way because Thor is not going to be affected by anything. Right, anything that would that a mere mortal would yeah be that would knock by. Blake out. Thor would just. So I wonder if Thor really gets injured in in some battle with some like Surtur or something, whether or not Doctor Blake would be laid up for a while. I don't know. We've seen him get knocked around a little bit as Thor. Yeah, I know, but but we've not, not seen Blake suffer any from it. So. So. She convinces him to lay down, and he does, and he starts dreaming about his la- latest adventure with the Tomorrow Man and remembering all of that. And while he's doing that, Loki and Odin are talking, and Odin is just like he cannot imagine what in the world he's going to do to get Jane Foster out of Thor's heart and get him to, to forget about her. And Loki has once again got this wild scheme that he's going to tell him. He says he needs to meet somebody more beautiful. The only thing that can take a woman out of a man's head is another woman, more beautiful, more enchanting. So the in- Let me just say for the record that's that's not true. Uh, oh, okay. But okay. Okay. So they, of course, when they think of someone to enchant him, they go to the enchantress, who is an Asgardian goddess. And Loki goes to talk to her and says, please, you know, I, I need you to do this. Odin commands you to go to Earth and win the heart of Don Blake because they figure if he, she wins the heart of Don Blake, Thor will have to follow. Because Don was the first one in love with, is the one in love with Jane. So they figure that'll just follow. And the Chantress is like, you know, I would love to get the heart of the handsome Thor. So she agrees to do it. And Loki's like, oh, what a good team we would make. And Enchantress is like, no, I can't trust you. You can't trust me. So she shows up, magically appears, and and starts commanding wardrobes and and the such. And and everybody's, all the men are so like gaga over her. They're doing anything she wants, getting her clothes, driving her wherever she wants to go. It's like whatever she wants because she's so beautiful. In this one panel here where she first walks into the office. Does she remind you of anybody? Marilyn Monroe. You you think that's who they're playing on? Yeah. Okay. I really I, do. Her <clears throat> image is 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 very much Marilyn Monroe-ish. I, I wondered. It, it looks vaguely Marilyn Monroe-ish, but they, to me, they left out a, a large detail portion in the middle of her face, around her nose area, and everything, and it kind of threw me. You know, I don't, maybe that's what they did to make it enough difference so somebody wouldn't get them for the likeness or anything. Could be. But but I, I wondered if there was a, a Marilyn Monroe thing that they were 
trying That's to That's what I first thought when I saw it. Well, this is 64, the first part of 64. Was, is that when she was a thing? 64, do you know? I'm not up on my Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, I'm not either. I'm trying to think of when John F. was in office because he supposedly had flings with her. and mm-hmm. I think it was the early 60s, but mm-hmm. I, I don't remember exactly when. So, Okay. Okay. So she, the enchantress, goes to Doctor Blake's office and 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 goes in to see him. And she's trying her best to get him to look at her because she feels if she can just get him to look in her eyes that she will enchant him. And she's holding out her hand and he's like, I don't see anything. And finally, he looks up at her and he recognizes her. And he tells her, asks her what she's doing there, and tells her to get out. And Jane comes in just as the enchantress manages to lay a lip lock. On Dr. Blake, and of course thinks the wrong thing, slams out in a huff. Dr. Blake is like chasing after her, and the Enchantress is like, I can't believe this. I've never, ever, ever had a man break off from my embrace. So she's just like really pissed, but she's not, <laughs> she's not going to be defeated. A woman scorned and all that. Because she's an Asgardian goddess, and she's stronger than most men, so they, they've never been able to get away from I would, her. I would say they don't you know, try. Yeah. Yeah. So she changes back into her immortal guise and returns to Asgard so she can get some help on this issue. She needs. She decides that the only way to get Jane Foster out of Blake slash Thor's heart is to kill her. So she's gone to the. She goes back to Asgard to go to the Executioner. So she get, walks in and the Executioner apparently is also Gaga over the lovely Enchantress and is like, if you will be mine, I will do anything that I need to do to win your heart. And she's like. Well, excuse well, me. Okay. Okay. And she gives him a picture of Jane and says, I need you to make it so he will never set eyes on this woman again. So the demigod with the heart of a serpent, the power of a Goliath, and the eyes of a hunting falcon begins his sinister mission. I loved that. I had to read it aloud. And Blake is, is meanwhile, trying to find Jane. She is not at her apartment. She's not at work, and he's starting to worry about what may have happened to her. And he decides, I'm going to turn back into Thor so I can find her because I can do it much quicker. So he busts into the commissioner's office, the police commissioner's office, and Thor's like, and the commissioner's like, wait, 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 before you say anything, let me just tell you that we've we've seen this battle armor battle axe carrying man walking around eight foot tall walking around the city and thor knows immediately who it is awesome executioner i mean immediately he knew yeah there's nobody else that could be eight feet tall in armor carrying a battle axe i guess not i mean i would think in asgard there'd be that'd be a dime a dozen but you know anyway he knows who it is he tells the commissioner leave it up to me don't worry about it i'll deal with it so meanwhile, the executioner is wandering the streets, and I love these the looks of fright on these panels. I mean, well, these people eight foot are tall. terrified. Eight-foot-tall little beams, laser beams coming out while he's trying to find Jane. And somehow, in the whole city, he finds her on the street. I don't know how in the world that happens. What's well, because he's using his superhuman falcon hunting vision. And he as she just happens to be on the street. He espies her from whatever distance. Yes. Not a fire, a far. Yes. So. But anyway, he, he grabs her up, says, I found you, and grabs her up. And he deaths 
doesn't mean the same thing in Asgardian as it does in the human world. So he decides that he's just going to put her in a limbo land. So he swirls his battle axe, a lot like Thor swirling his hammer, swirls his battle axe, creates this vortex, and sends Jane off to a limbo land, a never-never world between lands. No sooner does she leave than Thor catches up and, and has found them and says, what have you done? What have you done? He has falcon vision, too. I reckon he does. Right. So him and the executioner battle it out because he's trying to, to figure out what, what he's done with Jane. And, and the executioner's like, why am I not defeating you? I'm such so much stronger than you. And Thor's like, oh, I will always defeat you. I am the god of, of thunder. And he throws some ice on Thor, and Thor breaks the ice. And he throws a battle axe at him, and Thor dodges. And finally he says, you know, I'm, he finally gets over him and, and is defeating him. And Executioner says, please don't kill me. I will return the girl. He says, for ages I have longed for your hammer. I desire it more than anything. And I will return the girl if you will give me your hammer. Well, Thor without the hammer is Dr. Blake. Not Thor. So he's like, but I can't risk Jane's life because he's so in love. <coughs> Sorry. So he says, return the girl and I will give you the hammer. So the executioner believes him because he knows Thor. He knows that he's, his character is such that if he says he will, he will. So he brings Jane back. Thor puts the hammer down, but the executioner can't pick it up because only Thor can pick up the hammer. So 30 seconds have passed. The executioner is still trying to pick it up. Well, meanwhile, the enchantress comes back and says, Hey, wait a minute. You have betrayed me, Executioner, and starts enchanting him and turning him into a tree. So then he can't pick up the hammer. And Thor is like, run, 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 Jane, run. And so Jane runs. And now it's the Enchantress after the Executioner with Thor standing on the sidelines grabbing up his hammer just in time. What did Thor say to Jane? Run, Jane, run. See Jane run? Yeah. Run, Jane. Run. Yeah. Okay. And the executioner says, I realize that you have no reason to, Thor, but please save me. Save me from this, from the enchantress. So Thor picks up his hammer, and the enchantress is like, I have spells that are without limit. I can defeat you. And Thor's like, ha! Cannot. Basically, as long as I have this hammer, you ain't nothing. You ain't nothing. So while they're fighting, the uh, it, the spell is lifting, and the executioner is turning back into himself. And Thor's tired of both of them, so he creates his own little vortex whirlwind and sends them both back to Asgard because he can't take no more of either one of them. So they're returned defeated to Asgard. And now Thor has got to go find his beloved Jane now that he's gotten rid of the foes. And he turns back into Dr. Blake, and of course there's a lot of ice in Jane's voice because he was last time she saw Dr. Blake he was kissing this lovely blonde woman uh, so of course it's like I didn't do anything yes you did I didn't do anything and and Jane is like well I won't admit to him I'm jealous but you know maybe I can use Thor to make him jealous women and meanwhile Odin is looking on and he's so mad because they're still in love and he says, by Asgard, my son may not love a mortal. Thor, Thor may not defy his father, Odin. And the time for words is past. Now I must act. So Odin himself is going to take matters into his own hands 
and go try to break up Thor and Jane. I'm telling you, you would think with the gods and all the things they have to worry about, he wouldn't be worried about one little mortal woman named Jane. But apparently she's very high up on the totem pole of his priority list. Well, Thor is the apple of his eye. I mean, how many times does he say it's his favored son? Which I think is funny because whenever he says it to Loki, Mm -hmm. Loki is Thor's Mm half-brother. So basically Odin is just saying, oh, Loki, help me. I don't know what to do. The man I like better than you is – Uh no wonder Loki's so bitter and always trying to to get Thor – defeated and and, and no taken care of and wiped out. And even more so, Odin is the parent fam- that they have in common. Dysfunctional family. So, the dis- so what do you think of that one, Ed? The dysfunctional families of Asgard. I think that's coming in 2011. Um, I liked it. It was pretty cool. We got to see the origin, or not the origin, but the first introduction of a couple more characters, like uh, Mr. Hyde. That are going to continue on throughout the years up until current times. The and actually Asgardian characters, because we would talk earlier that we wish that they would bring more of the Asgardians of Asgardian, in, right? And and have them be the foes that that Thor has to fight rather than humans. Um, we even see in this next issue some some Asgardians more. So yeah, they're spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. They're, uh, <laughs> if you haven't read the issue, I'm sorry. You're getting ready to talk about it, though. So yeah, so better hurry up. But uh, yeah, so we're we're starting to get the the stories are starting to get broader. Um, we're starting to see more, j- just a wider universe. You know, it's not just Thor and it's not just Jane. Uh, we've got this guy now from the future that's come around a couple times. We've got this Hyde character. We've got a couple evil Asgardians here. Next issue, we see some more Asgardians, actually part of the story. Um, about the only thing really left so far that I haven't seen a lot of that I'd like to see is some more of Asgard. I'd like yeah. to see some some adventures taking place there. Um, you know, I know all about Earth and New York City and all that. I can find pictures and, you know... The, I want to see Asgard because that's, you know, that's something that I, I don't necessarily have already in my head. So there's a lot of room for Kirby and other artists to to make that world for me. Yeah. yeah. So that's Pleasure. about the only thing that, that really I, I've, I'm missing. They've been doing a lot of other stuff, particularly here in the last six or eight issues, that were was things that I was wanting them to do. So... Um, again, I'm, I'm a big Kirby fan. I like Kirby. Uh, this was drawn by Kirby, so I'm, I'm pretty Kirby happy. All right, the next issue is 104. And on uh, the cover here, we have Thor. Nothing you have ever seen before can equal the breathtaking spectacle of giants walk the earth, in, in quotes. So that's the name of the story. We see earth, uh, Thor flying over a city. And we see these two characters. One is a big red horned character with a flaming sword decimating the city. And the other is this large albino covered in animal fur with a big club rampaging through the city. Uh, the albino dude looks to be a giant. The red guy will say demon. Uh, you can't necessarily tell. could be a perspective issue or it could be that he is more human sized than what this big giant with the club is. The story opens in Asgard. We see um, 
Loki talking to the executioner and the enchantress. You left out my favorite part. Oh yeah, I didn't. I didn't say that part, did I? Okay. No, it's my favorite part. Okay, on the first page, uh, it says, "This is a tale so powerful in concept, so dramatic in scope, that only the inspired talent of Stan Lee could have written it. Only the gifted hand of Jack Kirby could have illustrated it. Possibly." One of the ten all-time epics you will never, ever forget. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, love it. That had to come from Stan Lee. That, that's, just, <laughs> that's all there is to that. That's, I love it. Man, oh, man. Okay, so. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, Loki is talking. Uh, actually, he's talking uh, his displeasure to Executioner and Enchantress for not having defeated Thor, but... In, in the midst of the conversation, Odin summons Loki and uh, basically asks, asks – asks, I'm sorry – asks Loki for counsel in figuring out what to do about this Thor, Jane Foster, Don Blake funky triangle thing that's going on. And Loki says, well, um, you could probably go down there and fix it. And Odin thinks, well, you know, by golly, that's an excellent idea. I think I will. We cut back to uh, Earth where Blake is trying to give Jane the, the rest of the day off. This story apparently immediately following what we just saw with Enchantress and Executioner uh, immediately such that Jane hasn't had a chance to recover yet. So I guess right after she got away from the Executioner Maybe she went back to work. We saw them walking. Maybe they were walking back to back to Earth, back to the office at the end of that issue, and that's where this is. So she she does indeed decide to go home. And uh, Don Blake says, "Well, uh, something's wrong. I'll uh, I'll do some rounds around the city, some patrols here to see if you know if I can figure out what's going on." And he says something which is funny. In, in conjunction with something he said last issue, last issue he mentioned he could do his patrolling, do his searching faster as Thor than Don Blake. Well, here he says, with the aid of my enchanted hammer, I can search the entire city in less time than it would take Don Blake to cross a street. So mm-hmm. there yet again is another reference to the fact that Thor can get around a lot better than Blake. So Thor goes off on his patrol. Elsewhere in the city – some bad guys jump this um, rich-looking old geezer in the alley just to find out that it's Odin, and Odin just throws them aside, saying that none may touch him. Cutting back to Asgard, when Odin left Asgard, he left A, Loki in charge, and B, he gave Loki a portion of his power to use while he was in charge. So now Loki is starting to uh And Odin's supposed to be the wisest god. Okay, I'm sorry. This Go is ahead. this is his half son and you know apparently in Norse mythology familial ties are just nearly unbreakable. I mean, you don't go against them. Okay. Go ahead. You know, if Thor was in Asgard, I'm sure he would have left Thor in charge. Oh yeah. Well, Thor's not. I'm going. I'll pick my other son and leave him in charge. I can trust him. <laughs> I, you know. Okay. So, uh, and, and 
Terry brings that up because um, with the power that Odin be hesked, bequeathed him, bequeathed, uh, he releases the storm giant Skag from imprisonment and the fire demon Surtur from imprisonment and sets them both to earth to battle Odin. Now he sends them after Odin. Well, Hemdel, the dude that guards the Rainbow Bridge, uh, has killer eyes. Apparently he also has killer ears, and he heard Loki chant whatever magic that set these two creatures loose. So Hemdel knows what Loki is doing, and he reaches out to Balder the Brave to help him tell Odin, alert Odin as to what's going on. So... Loki has set Surtur and Skag to Earth to defeat Odin. Hemdel has alerted Balder about the plot, and so now Balder is going to Earth to try to alert Odin before Skag and Surtur can get there, get get to Odin. And he's riding Odin's own winged battle stallion. Battle stallion. Yeah, I'm sure he has a name, but they didn't they didn't drop it here. Everything in Norse mythology has a name. Um, Thor intercepts Balder. Um, Balder does something, or because of his nature being an Asgardian guard, no one, an Asgardian guard, an Asgardian god, no one can see him with mortal eyes. So only immortals can see him. So right now, as far as we know, only Odin or Thor could see Balder. Flying around on this winged steed, or stallion, excuse me, winged stallion. Um, Thor runs across him. Balder tells Thor the story. Uh, Thor runs around looking for him and says, oh, well, I know where he's going. If he's looking for me, which he probably is, he will be looking for Don Blake. And so I need to get back to Blake's office. He gets there just as Odin comes in. He tells Odin of the uh, the impending attack. Then at a gesture from the monarch of Asgard, the very fabric of time itself stands still as the entire human race, under an irresistible spell, is instantly transported to a dimension beyond the ken of the human mind. Every single person on the planet has just been transported to another dimension. Mm-hmm. At a gesture from Odin. Quite a lot of power this god has, and he can't control his two sons. Quite, quite. So immediately after that, we see the uh, emergence of Skag. He's walking through the oceans, I guess, to be more dramatic. or so. I, I don't know. Or why the ocean? Who knows? So Hemdel, uh, excuse me, Balder goes after Skag. These names are going to drive me crazy. Balder um, shatters Skag's war club, but Skag uses the remnants of the club to create a water spout that uh, dispatches Balder. So Thor comes in, but before he can get to Skag, Surtur shows up and attacks Thor, knocking him into the ocean. So now Odin enters the fray. Um, as kind of the last defense, his uh, foreguard having been dispatched. 
he casts a spell that turns the uh, bottom of the ocean that Skag is walking on into muck, uh, thus causing Skag to sink into it. Skag cries out for help from Surtur, who, using his power, which is all fire-based, uh, being a fire demon, he hardens the earth, thus preventing Skag from sinking any further. Surtur then turns himself basically into a giant fireball and says he's going to strike the uh, North Pole, thus melting all of the ice up there and sending a huge deluge of water around the Earth, north to south, destroying the Earth. Skag, meanwhile, turns on his powers as a storm giant and starts battering with a a windstorm the... uh, the, the coast, the city that they're in. So Odin takes his steed and goes after Surtur. Balder and Thor stay to fight Skag. Uh, Thor um, is a little peeved. Yeah, he, he gets pretty upset and, and sets uh, try, tries to uh, electrocute Skag, basically, which just weakens him. It, it doesn't. And again, this is Thor at half power. Although I don't know that the half power that he has would make any difference against summoning lightning. So it, it probably doesn't. Um, so. Odin didn't go off after Surtur. Yeah, I was gonna. Uh, okay. so with Skag here weakened, Thor, or Odin didn't go to fight Surtur. Basically he went in the air. Uh, I guess Baldur and Thor stayed like on the ground, kind of splitting the attention. Because Thor, uh, Odin stays around and uses his battle sword to suck all of the energy, uh, basically life force, out of Skag, not knowing that while he's doing this, it takes him a little bit longer to do because Loki is feeding Skag energy too to keep him going while Odin is trying to siphon it all off. Well, eventually Odin wins because his power is more than Loki's. But in the process, it weakens him and he collapses, leaving only Balder and Thor now to fight Surtur. Well, Surtur got a big head start on him going to the North Pole. Not enough time to get to him, so Thor picks up Odin's sword and uses the sword to to divert Surtur's fireball that Surtur is a part of and he he sends that fireball out to space and then traps Surtur on an asteroid by like magnetizing the asteroid and and holding Surtur affixed to the asteroid kind of like chained by magnetic force to this asteroid out in space somewhere Um, a tiny asteroid in another galaxy is where Surtur is now so the battle over, uh, Thor gives the sword back to Odin, and Odin indicates, you know, as, as the Norse are, well fought, my son, we won the battle, let us go rest and celebrate. And Thor says, I'm sorry, I can't leave, Earth is where I belong, this is where my love is, and Odin's like, <laughs> we'll talk about this another time. And I'm tired. <laughs> so he and, and Balder go back to Asgard. Thor stays, reverts back to Blake, goes. All the people show back up from the other dimension. Yes. What what does it say about that? Returning to Asgard, Odin makes a single gesture, and suddenly all is as it was before he had come to Earth. 
Um, Blake returns to the office. Odin takes care of Loki yet again. And Odin muses about uh, Thor and this impending danger and how his love for Jane Foster may well be his undoing ultimately. And thus ends issue 104 of Journey into Mystery. So, Terry, what would you think about that one? It was a good wrap-up. It was a good wrap-up. I enjoyed seeing two more of the Norse mythos, Surtur and Skag. I hadn't, I hadn't, I'd heard of them just from you and I having conversations, but I hadn't seen them in action. So that was a nice introduction to those in action. Okay. Yeah, I think we, we ran into Surtur in the first arc of the new book that we started. Oh, that's on. right. We did. Wasn't because he, he impaled Odin and that was how Odin was supposedly dying and he had, and, and Thor had to come to his deathbed. So that was in the, um, that was in the, in the one shot. Yeah, the rage of Thor or something the like that. The rage of Thor. That's why Thor had to go back to Asgard even though he had not planned on doing yeah, that. Because Surtur and because Odin Surtur had, had been fighting. Yes, and he had impaled him. Odin had been injured. And, in, and Odin was like, I'm going to die. You have to come see me. Yeah, yeah, that's Before right. He gets there and it's like his dad's fine. Um, yeah, Surtur pops up again and again and again. And actually, Surtur plays a very important part in Ragnarok. Ragnarok is supposed to be the final battle of the gods that ends ends everything. It's such a devastating battle that all reality just in that battle. Um, Ragnarok is what occurred previously that this volume of Thor mm-hmm. that we're reading now, the current volume, is the restart from. Mm-hmm. So... I picked that up from the little beginnings. Big big circles here we're starting to run into with things. Um, so Surtur will pop up again and again. Skag, off the top of my head, I don't know other than in just words if Skag, the person, pops up again. He's a he's a storm giant and probably more than just. He, he probably is like the king or the last of or, or something to give him – the power that he has. So he, you know, more than likely will pop up again somewhere too. <laughs> Good name too. Skag. Skag. Yeah. So, uh, another, uh, as we read, Stanley and, and Jack Kirby, perhaps the, the, the greatest story of all time, at the very least in the top ten of all time. Yes, according to them. So, alright, well guys, those are the three books that we, uh, we picked out to talk about this episode. Next episode will be issues 105 and 106 of Journey into Mystery, and the new Thor volume, issue 617. So if you care to read ahead or follow along or just ignore that, uh, whichever you choose to do. As always, you can contact us by email at the Mighty Thor Podcast at gmail.com. The website is comicbooknoise slash Thor. We do have uh, forums linked on our website page, and we have a fan page on Facebook, which earlier today Facebook was out for a while, so all of you listening will be happy to have been able to get back on it, I'm sure. Uh, Personally, I just switched off Facebook and went to Twitter and followed all the people bitching about Facebook, which was funny. 
you know, I guess because Facebook wasn't there to bitch on, they went somewhere else to bitch about the fact that there was no Facebook. So, okay. Somebody quoted a line out of the uh, social media movie or whatever the media about Zuckerberg and the starting of Facebook. Uh-huh. Apparently there's a section in the movie where he's trying to sell the concept to somebody. And he indicates to them that Facebook never has outages and is very reliable. That's why you should go with us. Ah. And so. So, okay. Uh, again, we want to thank Mr. Derek Coward. Um, thank you, Derek, for all your help and assistance in maintaining the deliberate noise slash comic book noise slash Mighty Thor podcast pages and, and helping with those things. Um I won't say it yet because I think we'll probably get more podcasts out before Christmas, but I'll wish you a Merry Christmas, Derek, and one of the later podcasts. We'll do some more here soon. Uh, Terry, anything you want to add on the way out? No. Alrighty then. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, this was episode 10. We've got 11 uh, on deck and 12 in the starting blocks right behind it. Hopefully we'll be doing here in just a, a day or two trying to get caught back up from our forced, unforced, voluntary, involuntary sabbatical, whatever it was. I'm calling it holidays extravaganza. There we go. And uh, again, any feedback, uh, please give it to us. You know, we've had feedback the past two episodes. We've read exactly what they sent us, uh, whether we liked it or not. There was nothing to not like in these, but I mean, you know, I don't have any problem giving uh, voice to the feedback that people are getting that way uh, uh everybody can hear you know what the what the concerns and comments are of of somebody else listening so otherwise i guess just keep checking the feed we'll have some more shows out as soon as we can get them out and we appreciate your patronage so far you guys have a good evening and uh continue to try to keep warm and stay out of the snow we'll talk to you later bye